welcome to the latest episode of the TA Disruptors Gen AI podcast. I'm Robert Neary, CEO and co-founder of Arctic Shores, and uh, delighted to be welcoming to this episode uh, a fellow CEO and co-founder, Sile Magos of um, uh, Metaview.ai, rather than making a hash of the brilliant things that you do, I know, around uh, uh, supporting uh, people doing better interviewing. Why don't you give us a little introduction uh, about your company? Absolutely. Uh, thanks so much for, for having me on, uh, Robert. Uh, pumped, to, pumped to be here. So Metaview is an AI assistant built specifically for the key conversations that recruiters have. Interviews, you mentioned, is a, is a really important uh, a conversation that recruiters lead and are part of, but also intake meetings, debriefs. What we believe and we know is there's a ton of really valuable information within those conversations. Recruiters spend far too much of their time uh, uh, transcribing or taking notes on that information and then trying to sort of shuffle that information into various systems. And so we automate that all for them. You can think of us, us like a uh, AI-powered note-taker on steroids, built specifically for recruiters. Um, They tend to love it for saving them time and just enabling them to actually engage with candidates and then hiring managers much more effectively, truly be curious rather than be be, be a scribe. So yeah, that's what we do, uh, all about helping recruiters uh, uh, be more productive in those conversations. Sure, Uh, and I love it, Um, uh, the the whole concept of uh, a scribe on steroids Mm -hmm. for making uh, interviews uh, a lot better. And yeah, I think the the interesting thing that you set out to solve is something that that we've all experienced at some point, which is, you know, we're all having to, to interview, particularly if you're in a high growth or even if you're just in a normal business because of attrition, and then you you get to that interview stage, and you have to then sort of find a way of how do I record it, how do I make it consistent, um, how do I go back and audit it. So it's a it's something that we all. Uh, have experienced and, and had pain with but I'd love w- what led you to this because you were started at Uber as a head of product and I always think it's interesting when somebody starts up a business and has yeah. a product perspective too so yeah tell us a little bit about how you started this all off yeah so I was on, on the product team at Uber it was definitely a sort of big part of my my work there but this was 2016 2017 when Uber was you know, already a sort of relatively large company, but still was in grow- was growing incredibly fast. So in the in the sort of the the, the twenty four months that I was there, we went from seven thousand to fifteen thousand people. Wow. And so, really, anyone uh, uh, a- anywhere in the company was spending a ton of time on yeah. hiring. And that was my first exposure in my my career to sort of that being like a real sizable twenty five to thirty percent of the time I spent was was on hiring. Um, uh, so, and doing that, you get exposed to a bunch of a bunch of the the pains, inefficiencies, and toil associated with hiring. Maybe not as exposed as the the recruiters that we work with, and now sort of like you know call our call our customers. But still, like you've got to see, uh, this doesn't feel like the most high leverage way and most effective mm. way to mm. go about building a world class team. And that's what that was the starting point for us. Um, yeah, again, from a hiring manager view, where I I was just very aware that it was these interviews that were determining who we ended up hiring and how quickly as yes. far as I was concerned as the hiring manager. Um, so that was a starting point for that. Brilliant. No, and I think that's, that gives you a, you know, a great uh, foundation mm. for, for, for being able to build something. Was you know, Uber um, one of the sort of great sort of tech pioneers? 
Were they already using AI at that point? Did you, did you, when you were thinking about how you were going to solve this problem, was AI already something that you were experimenting with, or was it still a bit early days and you've you've got to sort of jump on that afterwards? No, so they weren't using AI in their in their um, in the sort of the assessment portion of the hiring. Period. I don't know about sort of much higher in the funnel for certain roles. I can imagine they may have, but not, not nothing I was exposed to. It was very, it was. Hiring was treated as in, incredibly serious. It was, as a hiring as a leader of a team, you you know part of your job was to build the team too. It wasn't like just recruiting's job to do that. You were partnered with your you know the recruiter you partnered with, and it was it was your shared responsibility. But it was still quite analog. You know mm. how do you train interviewers? Well, you'd get them to listen to you interview a few times, and then you'd listen to them a few times, and then you say, yeah, okay, you seem fine. You can go and do it. And when it got to debriefs, you would review people's notes, and some of them would be scrappy. I don't want to let that mean that I'm not going to hire this person just because someone else didn't take good notes. So we're going to like go for it anyway. Like all of the same sort of um, uh, sort of rough edges that you'd expect in any other company we saw there. And the thing that really came into sharp contrast for me was that wasn't the case in the rest of my work at Uber. I, I really right. felt like as a, as a product manager, I had superpowers. I had incredible access to data, incredible experimentation, tooling. You know, I could deploy a feature to N percent of users in you know, Wisconsin, and then in another click of a button, deploy it in mm. sort of some corner of India or something like that and, and get the, the test results back almost instant, you know, uh, automatically. So I had these superpowers as a PM, but as a hiring manager, I was sort of doing it, maybe with a bit more rigor than I'd done before, but still sort of doing it the way that I'd done it before. Uh, it, it, Uber did take, um, they did build their own recruiting technology. So okay. they built their own ATS, for example. Um, but it was it was more because they found that the existing tools weren't weren't sort of couldn't operate at the at the speed and scale and with the structure that they wanted. It wasn't sort of a uh, it wasn't because they were looking to apply AI to it or anything like that. Yes, I think that's one of the sort of interesting, you know, even even the the the, the greatest and best technology companies out there, where you can deploy stuff at a click of a button. Talent acquisition tends to be almost in a sort of different world that that hasn't been brought along or given the same attention or exposed yeah. to technology. What what do you think is the reason for that? That there are so many parts of, of talent acquisition where technology is now being suddenly accelerated in there, but it's not been a natural starting point for the adoption of technology. I think there's like some market dynamic aspects to this. Like hiring is, it's not like there's a, there's not necessarily always a buyer and a seller, right? It's a, it's a matchmaking act where you're both partially buying, both partially selling. And that obviously creates a dynamic within that interaction where no one necessarily has the sort of the right to impose a certain tool set within that interaction. Now, obviously, that's not totally because obviously a lot of companies have tooling that they use, but there's still this thing that, hey, you know what, maybe if this person doesn't want to do X or Y thing, they could still be a great fit and we should try and get them to join us, you know, yes. and they have a bit of power, they have a bit of agency there. So I think that's one thing. But I think the most, the by far the most important thing is that it's incredibly, when I think about deploying, you know, when I, when I have my product manager hat on, and I think about deploying a feature, like much as we empathize with our users as much as possible and, um, and whatnot, you know, at, at some point, they, they appear as numbers in a spreadsheet and we see how many yes. of those users did we have. Whereas when you're doing the act of hiring, you're really trying to understand that human being in front of you. And they could have spikes of strength here and sort of troughs of weakness here. But that's OK as long as they have these other two strengths. And so the amount of nuance that's involved in understanding is this, pers- is this person going to help my team get where it needs to go is, uh, well, there's just a lot of variables to it. And I think no, no, no 
up until recently, the technology was not was actually not sophisticated enough to really help me feel like it can help me make a better decision about the person in front of me. And so we relied a lot on our instincts yes. and you know, uh, much as we try and sort of structure interview process and whatnot, you would still rely on that um, on that instinct and uh, taking the conversation the way you want it to go in order to understand this, this person. Yeah, really interesting. And I, I love your point about um, that the whole thing about recruitment is, is clearly a human-centric process and really important. Yeah. And that the point of technology then is how do we help the human make a better decision and it shouldn't be uh, uh, replacing the human decision making it be how do we make a better decision yeah and how how do you think ai now starts to play in that and specifically where where do you think we are today versus where we were when you started a few years ago with ai because it feels yeah different yeah the ai that we have so today and the way that's going to help them make better decisions than it did a few years ago yeah I t I, maybe I'll take the second part of that question first because mm. I think there's probably there's yeah there, there's maybe more meat to the second part and we can we can dive into it. So I think what's changed for us specifically. So Metaview's been going for four and a half five years or so, always focused on how can we enable the people involved in hiring, um, run better conversations and make better decisions off the back of them. That's like broad base. That's what we what we do. Where we were before this, these sort of foundational LLMs came along and just created like revolutionary capability for us yes. uh, that we could then sort of uh, harness and use with our customers. Where we were before was um, we were much more focused on almost working out could we predict things like and we were, we were identifying one thing at a time that hey could could we could we build AI that can uh, identify what questions from a full conversation are the assessment questions right. and then we can help cu uh, our customers understand do they have some interviews who are much more rigorous than another you know, another set of interviewers. And do those interviewers tend to be more rigorous when they're talking with a certain type of candidate or at a certain stage or candidates from a certain background? So still really valuable things. And obviously yes. we've built a whole company around trying to help companies understand this thing. But the big thing that changed was the amount of work that we were putting in to build up the data, our, what we think of as our data asset, our, you know, the, the, the data that we annotated from these conversations to build a model to understand what was the difference between an assessment question and a conversational question, like, hey, how are you, versus, you know, tell me about a time you did X or Y. Suddenly, you can actually do that uh, quite easily by calling uh, calling one of these foundational models. And so while initially that's, that for us was like, oh, damn, like a lot of the stuff we've been working on now, you can sort of do with via an, via an API call. Mm -hmm. What it really opened up was it really just dragged our roadmap like five years forward. Like suddenly we're now at right. a point where all of the things that we knew we'd love to accelerate as part of uh, the hiring process, or we'd love to be able to detect within the hiring process so that the recruiting team and the hiring manager are more informed, uh, like 90% of them we can do. Like as long as, as long as we build the product correctly, we can actually execute those things. So for us, it was just a massive acceleration of all the things that we, we always wanted to do. And it changed our mode of operation from, you know, one at a time, let's bite off certain things that we can help people understand from within the interview process to almost the opposite. Yes. This is Cambrian explosion of things we can do. How do we make sure we pick the right ones so that uh, we're actually really accelerating and enabling our customers to do a better job? Um, so I think that's when I think about the change, it's, it's, it's that it's you go for AI companies pre um, I don't want to sort of talk in two broad strokes. Obviously, lots of other people took different approaches, but um, pre the, these sort of these foundational LLMs becoming um, so impactful, uh, we were, yeah, one at a time, work out what we can work out. Mm -hmm. Now it's 
It's not it's not AGI, it's not general intelligence, but it's very generalizable. Yes. And it does a really good job at a high yes. number of things. Yes. And that's just changed roadmaps for people yes. like ours. Yeah, and I think that's one of the really interesting things in the when you know we've we've both been around the block for a bit on this and seen AI when it initially came out and a lot of it was around point uh, automation yeah. and very specific things and you had to steer and guide and you you got a, a degree of productivity from it whereas this time round it feels with the way that these LM, LMM, LLM models work that is generalizable and I think that's a, a really interesting point because it just means that you, you can introduce it and provide that productivity yeah. broader to the user rather having to think it through yeah. All, yeah. All, all the way. And to put it in really sort of tangible terms, I guess, the way that we used to think about this was we'd have to build up, you know, in the order of magnitude of twenty five to 50,000 data points of our own, proprietary data points that we would gather by building a product that customers loved so they'd start to use it and we could generate data off the back of the conversations they were having on our platform which enabled us to make the product better because we can make certain predictions for them now you're at a point where because these llms are so good at reasoning you know just as i could you know if, if i was meeting you for the first time and i held up a uh, you know three different types of questions for you i could you could probably just bucket it you know in your own in your own sort of sensible way uh, because of all of your lived experience to this point that has got you mm -hmm. made you able to make do that reasoning and that's sort of the same with these llms so it just reduces the amount of time it takes for you to get for you to train um, for you to coax a really sensible, accurate answer out of an algorithm, basically. Yes. So from a TA uh, practitioner's point of view, um, incredibly exciting because the productivity that they're going to see is just going to be accelerated now. As you were saying, there's lots of things that you'll be able to bring to them, pushing roadmaps forward five years. That's not just true of you. It's true of you know all the, the tech stacks that are out there. And that's where a lot of the 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 media frenzy has been around uh, so far uh, around Gen AI. But there are also some questions that we should be asking ourselves. You see uh, quite a lot of uh, discussion in the news around should we hold back the development of AI because it's moving very fast? Do we understand all the things that are going on in the models here? Yep. That's the worry about a black box. And and I suppose TA leaders and practitioners are sort of sitting there saying, okay, great. On the one hand, there's a lot of productivity company coming, but actually I hear a lot of worry and yeah. uh, clouds on the horizon on this. Yeah. And and how have how how have you addressed then that? Do you, have yeah. you do you worry about anything in the in the use of Gen I as you're building it into your product and what that might mean then for yeah. interviewing and assessment? Yeah, we, 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 of course, think about it a bunch. Um, the way that we look at the... So I think there's like one almost philosophical point that the world has to wrap their head around and, you know, far be it from me to set the, set the agenda on this. But I guess the way I look at it is what we're not moving is to a world where we're removing humans' accountability for their yeah. actions and decisions. Okay. So what tool set you use to arrive at that decision is is going to be up to you. And that happens already. You know, I may if I'm a director at a company, I may have a really trusted, you know, right-hand person who I trust to make certain decisions. But actually, I'm still accountable for that decision. And, you know, I may have entrusted them to make it, but I'm going to be held accountable for the outcome of that decision. And that's very analogous to how we should think about using AI tools if you're even using it in a decision-making process, which is, I think, the big thing that maybe confuses people in this 
there's a, the, the, the sort of a lot of the um, discourse around adopting AI is a little bit all or nothing. It's like, mm. but that's not actually the case. D- making decisions is almost like the the last point in the evolution of, of of this technology. Where we spend more time is automation, the the sort of the, the pool of things that are really quite robotic tasks anyway have always been quite robotic tasks that can now be automated. That pool has just gotten a lot bigger. Yeah. So. You know, we, we don't want to be lift, looking that gift horse in the mouth and sort of, you know, continue to toil away doing really low leverage, undifferentiated, uncreative things. There's now a bunch of things that AI can do for us. That's essentially, I guess, the main area where we play is what can we, what elements of toil and drudgery can we take away from recruiters so they can spend more time on the human things. So d- uh, automation is obviously one big bucket that I think is less um, controversial. Yeah. Yes. Um, the second one is detection. A lot of uh, folks in TA will have complained for a long time about their ability to get meaningful data out of their, for example, their ATS or their CRM, just essentially how do I actually find the insights that matter uh, from these tools. And one of the reasons is because their actual sort of what they're trained in is not being able to query this quite complex right. data. Yes. Um, and the other thing is maybe that the tools just aren't, aren't, weren't built in such a way to be able to harness this, this data in an in effective way. And the third and most important one was a lot of the tools didn't actually house the most important data because mm-hmm. there was no way, you know, if you think about what an ATS is, it's really, uh, of course, you know, people you've spoken to when and these sort of things. And then it's whatever some of your people have managed to write down about those people, which is just not a lot of information, not a lot of valuable information. So that detection bucket has changed massively well because now we can actually almost suck up every piece of ambient data that we all create as we go about our, our work, you know, whether we're sort of rather than having to enter it into systems it can all just be gathered up and then we can use natural language to ask an ai to find information and trends and insights from within that data which just massively opens the aperture for the number of people who can get their questions answered because the the amount of friction between me having a thought that i'd like to know the answer to this question mm-hmm. to raising that with the you know business intelligence team to them saying well therefore we need to sort of get access to this api from this it, yes. this 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 product into our tableau or looker or something that has all gone away i can just ask the question in natural language um so i think those are really big for us we, we focus more on the automation and the detection um we focus much less on the decisions i think it's really correct for there to be this fear essentially around well how much do we allow ai to make decisions for us and i think there should be a lot of diligence and a lot of sort of soul searching to understand how much we're willing to do that but that shouldn't get in the way of understanding that there's some immediate benefits we can have in these other two much less controversial uh, parts of our work. Yeah, really interesting. So, you know, the, you can look, at, I, I suppose, into the, the impact of Gen AI into kind of two buckets here. One is that you're just going to get some things just automated, non-controversial, that writing or capturing scripts, giving you information, you'll be able to query that information better. Um, there is, uh, I suppose, an element then of, of training, and but actually the whole thing about ChatGPT is just the simplicity of the interface now and able to do those queries. But ultimately, if you're in talent acquisition, there is a decision that has to be made. Yeah. And so I get the, the productivity bit, and they'll be able to do more of the things which they enjoy doing. One is making the right decision, and the other is you know, managing the, the candidate and the candidate experience. But the 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 the, the whole point though about having that, that, that data and the access data is that it should be enable you to make 
a better decision. And I wonder if is is that something that you you are deliberately keeping away from because actually you're thinking you know what that that whole use of ai in there that's scary i don't know you know how to answer some of these questions of how much of the data for example that you capture in your interview notes how much could you then start scoring that and and then the interviewer is then able to to use that information mm. to remove some of the human bias because that's the big thing for me that i I worry about in, in any interview, and from a psychology point of view, we know that within the first seven seconds of somebody walking into the room and sitting down, you will have made a huge number of assumptions, and that's just an evolutionary thing that we're yeah. sort of checking in there. Do you fit within our context, community, way that we see the world? Yeah. And so you're capturing lots of data on all of that. You've got this human bias that's going on, and and are you are you so I'm just interested. I just want to test you yeah. a bit on this. If, if I, would you would you want to? Why would you not want to take the data that you've got and help make that human decision so much better? Is that a natural evolution of where you could go, or you actually it's beyond you? I don't want to answer that ethical question hmm. of how how do I help a human make a better decision with data? This quite black box. So uh, so what we believe, um, and this is, um, you know, obviously really supported by our customers, also our own experience, is that um, a lot of the things that stop you from making a great decision are uh, the time you have to deliberate and understand that decision and the information you have access to with given the amount of time you have left. So sort of another way to think about bias, and again, you'll be sort of incredibly familiar with this, is a lot of time they're shortcuts. They're like, well, I have to make this seven second judgment yes. because when I used to be in the somewhere else, you know, I, I had to decide whether to run or fight or something exactly. like that in that time. Yes. Um, and those are all shortcuts and I relied on those shortcuts and hopefully those shortcuts were right. More often they were wrong or at least were safe. Even if I yes. was, even if there was a few false, uh, false positives in there, at yes. least I was safe. Yes. Um, in a world where, so that's what, so when we think about bias within our tool set, it's more by way of how can we free people from the things that currently make them incre incredibly information and time poor such that they fall back to these biases. So we did not start MetaView to solve that particular, you know, bias within hiring. We solved, we, we started MetaView to solve the inefficiencies and the toil and the, what felt like wasted energy that made people less motivated to really engage in a thoughtful hiring process. That's why we started the company. And I think there's this knock-on consequence around bias. So we see ourselves much more as a tool for the people involved in, in the hiring process. If someone decided to use, um, and, and we, we think the, the, the sort of the net positive value, the net positive sort of impact of that is that most people don't want to take these shortcuts. Most people, when they're exposed to more, if they're exposed to more information or are able to be more open-minded and curious during a conversation because they're not so focused on just writing down what they're hearing. Um, that has a positive impact. I can't sort of, you know, point to the exact piece of data that proves that's the case, but that's the feedback we get and just sort of, if, you know, that, that's what we find. We're saving people time. They use it for good things to be more productive more and more impactful. Now, if over time people are really intent on using their ability to query everything they've learned from an interview in order to substantiate a biased point of view that they want, they sort of consciously have, then that's sort of a different. We're not. We're not. We're not addressing that problem right now. I can imagine yes. that being an emergent problem at some point in the future. But it's not really something we hear is happening a lot, or something we're specifically focused on. We're 
we're for the recruiter, we're for the interviewer. We want to help them achieve what they're trying to achieve quicker and to a higher quality using the latest technology. That's sort of our yes. our bucket for now. Yeah, no, I get that. And let's just go back to that that point about higher quality. Because this you've you've I think you've always got those uh, twin drivers within the recruitment process. We want it to be as efficient as possible, but we want to get the best candidates. Yeah. And most people don't realize that actually there's a there's a compromise in in you either you want the highest quality you have to spend the most amount of time and effort on that if you want the lowest cost it's the least and so that's where you know technology such as yours such as yours starts to play into that but the quality point you could easily use chat gpt to instantly generate questions mm-hmm. for interviewers based on a job description yep. so one of the challenges is not just recording and transcribing it, but if you look at the, from the quality angle on that is, well, am I asking the right questions? Am I considering the answers to those questions in a way that is consistent and fair? Yep. So if you don't tackle that, how how do they solve that quality piece or do you still think that that's a problem that and is it a problem that ai can solve or actually there's still things that you feel gen ai needs to be clearer about yeah before you throw it into solving that problem um so yeah we don't we don't solve that problem like creation of hey this is what you should be asking this person given given whatever context we can gather we've again we know there's a ton of process that a lot of organizations have to work out their question scripts and their competencies and their rubrics for these roles we don't we don't play there yet um but i definitely think that what we do believe in is there should be a feedback loop to those to those rubrics or those question scripts right okay are those questions actually being asked in the interviews no one really knows you only know if they are or not if they someone fills in the box that sort of you know but you don't know what really happened secondly are we actually eliciting the signal we want reliably using that question again no one knows you can go months years asking having the same question again and again to all these candidates and realize, well, we're not actually getting anything out of this question. So that feedback loop, we do care a lot about. Now, at some point, of course, we'll, we'll, we'll also want to maybe more directly and explicitly help them with these interview de- in design of the interview. And I think LLMs are going to be, a, again, a foundational part of enab- enabling that in a nuanced way, um, uh, you know, without need- needing a massive team of consultants to go out there and help them do it. Um, but right now, it's more our customers will be using us as a way to look into the interview, inform their own judgment, then make the judgment that they they will make the judgment to say, we're going to change the question to this. And they may do a ton of research. They may use ChatGPT in the way you described to help them do that. Yes. We don't really know. We don't. That's not our business to know about that right now almost. Uh, but what we do give them, is again, is that insight into, well, how are these things actually going down right, sure. when you ask them? And just on that point, do you see a worry or a vulnerability or a threat if we look at it from the candidate point of view so quite a lot of the things that i've seen on linkedin discussions reddit discussions are if you want to prepare for your interview um go into chat gpt and put in the linkedin profile of the person that's going to be interviewing you put in the job description and if you were that person what were the type of interview questions and perhaps pull something from the career site um, that gives some information about the values yeah. 
um, what are the type of questions that you would ask and what would be the optimal <laughs> answer? So do you worry at all or should TA leaders be worrying that you have all this wonderful automation, but actually increasingly people are going to be turning up at interview yeah. perfectly scripted and then you can have the most efficient process in the world, but if they're yeah. perfectly scripted or even falsely scripted in yeah. the sense that you don't really see the true person. Yeah. Are you worried about that at all? Do you um, think that's a, a threat that they need to be thinking about? So th I, I, th there are lots of like almost fun ways to take that, but I think the, the, the end answer for me personally is no, not concerned about that. And the reason we're not concerned about that is because even in that situation where sort of, you know, 99% of everything is predicted and scripted or whatnot. The only thing that's going to be a diff that's going to differentiate that candidate from the next candidate who comes along and does the same thing is the candidate. So the alpha is still the human being, yes. the candidate in this case. And that's the same from a hiring perspective. If my reaction to when I'm hearing these answers is to sort of doggedly stick to the script I had and just come away with no insights, then I'm not going to get any alpha as a hiring manager or a recruiter either. Whereas a great thoughtful recruiter will get that alpha. And it might only be that, again, that one or 2% that um, that is different or something, but that's gonna be where the competition is. Uh, that's the alpha. So uh, I don't think what you're describing is gonna become that common. And I, I think uh, increasingly, we'll obviously change the way we assess people to the point where we're asking questions there where there are, is no sort of categorically correct answer to this. It's like, a, we're trying to understand if you're a right fit for this, this mm -hmm. company, this role. Uh, so I think that's like a, a basic way to sort of avoid some of the things that you, you described. But it, in a way, it sort of doesn't matter. The reality is the human is going to be the alpha. We are still going to be working out if this human can come into our organization and help us achieve our goals. And the only bit that's going to be different from one human to another is the part that's human. So Yes, which I think is absolutely right. What it, what it does raise the point, though, that... Um, the focus of the interview, in fact, the whole of the recruitment process, really needs to bring that out. Is to how do you bring out that alpha? How do you bring the the human bit out? Yeah. And up to now, a lot of that has been really around, uh, which you know, my big thing is about scrap the CV because you know that doesn't really past experience doesn't necessarily predict future performance on this. What you want to know is what does the person bring to the role? What's unique about them? What's their yeah. motivation? What's perhaps their separate skills that they've learned in a different space bring to it? And and ultimately that is what the interview and the process should be about is how do we bring the human element out? And I I suppose my my question a bit to you is back to the sort of the start of the conversation a bit around this is how how can I suppose can, is your perspective is that TA should embrace technology because they can still be human about it but what are the things as they get more and more technology companies coming in saying I can answer this for you I can answer how do you keep that balance between the human side of what we want to bring out and see mm. with the benefits of automation which can actually be quite attractive yeah. as as a way of actually not having to spend all the time talking to people and yeah and that sort of thing i think i think that um there's no great answer to your question how do we how do we do it the, the reality is um as with anything that is disruptive some people will harness that that change 
adapt to where the, the cheese has moved to and mm -hmm. work out how to how they operate in that environment. And everyone's, again, even within that, there'll be a spectrum, people will operate differently. So I don't think there's like any, um, like how to. I would say the only sort of thing that is really obvious to me is any operator, and obviously we're focusing on TA, focusing TA recruiters and whatnot, they need to build up their intuition around how they could be leveraging this technology and then apply their judgment to what are the things that I actually still really want to focus on myself because I think I can provide alpha, I can be differentiated in how I personally go about doing this. Could be augmented by AI, but I still want to be sort of like doing doing mm. the thing. Mm. And what are the parts that actually I now think are uh, not something that are going to be done by humans in the future? And whether I like that or not, you know, there's no point in me spending a bunch of my time doing that anymore. Yeah. Um, uh, that's, that's, I guess, like a how-to for me is increase your intuition around that. I think using something like ChatGPT is a great way, is a great starting point and understanding where it's, because obviously the answers, I, you asked earlier actually, what are some of the sort of dangers we see? I'd, I'd say one that I would add to that is uh, taking an AI generated answer as a good answer, yeah. sight unseen, like almost yeah. almost before yeah. it's even finished, you know, typing yeah. it out or and before reviewing it, that's definitely a danger because it's not always the case. It's not always a good, uh, a good output, especially if you haven't provided the right context. Um, so, but so I, you need to use these tools to build up that intuition, and and just as that's true within ChatGPT, it's also true within other AI tools as well. It must be, it's true within MetaView that you need to sort of build up. Hey, where does this actually, you know, completely help me? Where are ways where I shouldn't be relying on in this for pit, in this particular type of a case? Because these are what's what is it already for sure is the people who are leveraging these tools are getting through more work more quickly to a higher quality than the people who aren't. Yeah, um, and that's just going to increase over time. Yeah, so you're tips and i think that's you know quite good just to think about as we we wrap up things a bit here is um for for ta leaders and you know concerned and practitioners concerned about ai and what it means for them and for their organizations is first to just be general users so everybody should be using i mean i, I found some interesting things you know i've used chat gpt to help write my mother's day Card because mm -hmm. I wanted she liked a ditty and so I wanted to write an Irish ditty uh, for her. Then some people I hear used it to write shopping lists or whatever. Um, so it would it would you know I suppose one one bit is use use it and just in in general get familiar about what what it produces and and yep. some of the things about how you put your own intuition on there. Any other things, I suppose, is, is there another sort of any other tips you've got for safe usage? I mean, how yeah. how should how should they two two questions really? How should they experiment with something with AI? And secondly, what are the questions they should be asking any AI vendor that comes to them before they start introducing it into their organization? Yeah. So 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 how how. I think the first part of the question was how, how can they experiment? Yes, just experiment. You, yeah, I mean, obviously, there's there's products out there that you know you can you can uh, you can experiment with, and most will be set up in such a way that because this is all very novel, you can actually have a play in some way. Uh, obviously, what what a great TA leader needs to do is some type of filtering. What you don't want to say is, hey, free fall, just go and try everything, and we'll just like see see what sticks. That's going to be you know uh, that's a pretty low low probability way of finding something that really, really helps you achieve what you need to achieve. What I find is that the reason I'm saying it's so important to build up your intuition is because what you're not trying to do as a TA leader is become an expert in AI. What you're trying yeah. to do is you're trying to, where you are uniquely positioned is to sort of coalesce this, what roughly are these things capable of? 
what am I, which which you're not going to have a completely novel understanding of you, but you just need to be at, at, at parity with like the world. But the thing that you're an expert on is what are the things I need to achieve? What are the things my team needs to achieve? What are the things that are keeping my team up at night? What are the things that are slowing my team down? And it's only by having the, an understanding of what these tools can do for you that you can start to marry those two things mm -hmm. and make smart decisions about, therefore, I'm going to focus attention on rethinking how we do this process because now I think it can really substantially be impacted by AI. So obviously I have a complete dog in the race here. I think that the way interviews are happening um, and a lot of the drudgery around them really decreases the quality of the interview process. And so I hope as many people as possible, as many people as possible in TA think, well, that's a part of my process. I'm gonna try and really rethink now that we have these capabilities in mind, but it's by no means the only one. So, you know, my advice to TA leaders is build up that intuition. ChatGPT is a great way to do that. There are other vendors out there that offer free trials. MetaView is one of them, for example, give it a go. And, you know, there's, it should be on us to sort of show you essentially how this can make a make a make a difference for you. So that's the sort of experimentation piece. I think the the level of diligence around um, uh, answers that these or recommendations that these AI AI tools are providing, I think it's 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 incumbent on the the user of those tools, the customer, the buyer, to um, understand how those recommendations are arrived at. And so I think there's a whole bunch of like natural questions that, that you should you should pursue uh, down that, that, that line of questioning. Not really germane to MetaView, so not something I've sort of thought a ton about because we are much more in this automation and yes. productivity buckets. The things that more matter in that world are, uh, one thing that is true with a lot of these tools is um, you're exposing quite sensitive data to them mm. because mm. a lot of these tools, they, they need, um, for them not to just be generic like ChatGPT is, you need to give it context. What does context mean? It means data that's sort of proprietary to your organization yes. so that it can give you, uh, accelerate you in a way that sort of is, is, is personal, which is one of the great things about AI is it accelerates me personally in a way that might be slightly different to someone else because, you know, maybe I had a different type of conversation with a candidate or whatever it might be. So there's a whole host of sort of fairly now sort of well-worn questions and processes that uh, uh, even for these sort of like new flashy AI tools, you should still be sort of putting putting these folks through, whether that's their uh, security posture, their GDPR compliance posture. These are these are all things that um, have always been the case and should be no different for for AI vendors just because it's new. Um, so yeah, I, I I don't think there's like this uh, other than when it comes to trying to impact decisions, which I think is like a completely is is new, is a new world, and you know, understanding that is it's going to be probably going to end up being its own. There'll be, a, there'll be specific uh, certifications and whatnot around that in future, I'm sure, but not something, again, we're focused on. Uh, I think for the rest of it, it's just just as you would any other piece of software. Fantastic. Uh, really, really helpful. And I, I think just to kind of sort of summarize it, it, it all up, and it's been such a sort of fascinating discussion about um, the way that AI will will impact things and things for TA to, to consider. Um, I loved your point about accountability. That's not going to go away. So we can automate things, but ultimately we, the human has to be accountable for the decision uh, around that. Um, I also loved your point around intuition as well. So yeah. how do we keep that into the process is that we'll always automate things, but actually that, that human element of the intuition, but also understanding the human element within the hiring process too. Then I really liked your your advice around experimentation too, and that, that that you can do that either through personally with ChatGPT or actually go and look for tools 
that in an area of a point of pain that you can easily download and and just have a look at how those work and then the last thing which i think is probably one of the most important is that anything that you do around ai you should always be asking the question of what proprietary data uh, am i exposing myself to and how well does whoever's proposing that ai understand that mm. because if i'm accountable for it then i want to make sure that whoever is giving me a tool to improve whatever it is has really robust understanding of how you protect that data treat that data um and and therefore don't expose yeah me to to any greater yeah. uh, liability or worry than the, I have. the only i mean just a I, I think I think it would be a mistake to stress that last point too much. We've all gone about adopting yes. software for however long your career is, you've been using and adopting software as part of that. And you've always been exposing certain, you know, yes. information certain certain proprietary information to these tools. So that's not a new thing. Yes. It's just uh it's just don't lower the bar because yes. this is new in AI. You should just continue to to care about those things too. But also don't all of a sudden treat it like it's a um yeah, like there's some some higher bar that needs to be met. It's uh to, if you're going to build up that intuition around these tools, you need to experiment with them. You can do that in a sort of a little like baby steps way um, uh, or you can, uh, you know, by, by just trialing things or you can do that in a more sort of full blooded, you know, we're going to give this thing a go and sort of get everyone on board. It's it's always been the case. Yeah. And I think that's a great point uh, to sort of finish up on really is that while there's a lot of hype around uh, Gen AI and where we are now, um, the the risks around it are no different from the risks that we've always been worried about, whether that be data protection for any piece of software, whether that be for bias, whether that be for transparency. And and so that, that shouldn't be a reason for not experimenting yeah. just because it's got AI in front of it, because we've we've been experimenting with software for many years now and those the risks are, are much the same. So Thank you very much for sharing it. Sal, it's been a great conversation, been really uh, enjoyable talking to you. Thank you for your insights and uh, best of luck with the future for MetaView.ai. Thank you so much. Uh, you're an awesome interviewer, which should count for something coming from me as the sort of uh, the founder of an interview-focused company. So yeah, thanks for having me. Brilliant. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you found the insights in this episode valuable, don't forget to hit the subscribe button to keep up to date with our latest episodes. And if you have a moment, please do rate and review the podcast. Apparently, it helps more people like you find us.